Education today can be difficult and draining and amazing and fulfilling and so many things all wrapped into one. The dynamics of what we do can leave us needing every ounce of inspiration and motivation we can get. I've been a principal and educator for over 25 years, and I find my motivation and inspiration in many different places. As a principal, I often find it's my job to inspire and motivate and energize the team around me. I have to be the principal inspiration of my school, but what things inspire me as a principal? Welcome to Principal Inspiration, a podcast for educators. I'm your host, Rick Hunt, and these are my thoughts about the people and the stories, anecdotes, observations, and conversations that are my principal inspiration on any given day. My sincere hope in sharing is that you might be inspired as well. I hope this podcast leaves you feeling energized, challenged, and ready to go be awesome. Our students deserve nothing less. So have you ever had that dream? You know, the one where you are just forgetting to do something, whatever that something is. Uh, it could be that you just forgot to take your homework to class, or maybe it's the dream where you've forgotten where uh, your schedule is. You don't even know where your classes are at college. I've had that one several times. It gives me a lot of anxiety. I don't know why. I never missed a class in college, but it's there. It's hanging there. Or maybe you forget to wear your pants to school. And as a principal, that would be a really embarrassing thing to have happen to me. Maybe job ending or career changing for certain. But whatever it is, you, you've probably had that dream, that feeling. For me, I have had that feeling for 30.4 years, something like that. Uh, since 1994, I have had this feeling and it has been eating at me. Why? Let me tell you a story. In high school, in my senior year, I had pretty much covered all of the core content I had to cover by December. I had a few credits I had to pick up, and those credits were not in any core subjects. So I was ready and prepared to have a pretty easy coast my second semester. I had already uh, received a scholarship offer from Butler University, had already decided that's where I was going to go, so I kind of knew where my future was. I knew I wanted to go for education. Butler had a great education school, so I was set. I had a semester to get done, and then I was done completely. I had senioritis complete and wholesale. It was the worst. I really was just ready to hang out and have fun and enjoy that last six months of school, partially six months of school. So there I am in the hallway uh, right before Christmas uh, break, leaving my English literature class, one of the core subjects I had to finish up. I had to have an English class, had finished that out. Tom Clark was the teacher. And as I started to walk out of class, Tom says, hey, Rick, come here. I want to talk to you for a minute. So yes, sir. He said, uh, I really want you to take Shakespeare next semester. Shakespeare, I said, yeah, really. Um, why? <laughs> why me? Tom Clark was an incredible teacher. His English Lit class was actually really one of the best classes I had taken uh, to that point. It, bar none, the best English or reading class I had taken. He, I mean, this guy taught English Lit using Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin, right? He, he had a gift for getting us excited about learning, for connecting us to the types of stories, for making them real. And so I was standing there in front of him, and he says, no, I really think you need to take Shakespeare. And he's, I heard that you are going to college on a scholarship. And I said, yes, sir, I am. I'm getting to go to Butler University. He said, I want you to know 
that one, I think you do really, really well in this Shakespeare class. And two, that I can promise you if you take it, it's going to help you when you get to college. Now, at that point, I didn't make the connection. I didn't know why Shakespeare was going to help me in college other than, you know, it might be something else to, to open my eyes to the world. I'm, I, I didn't know. So I left that moment and walked away. I hadn't made quite the decision yet. Went home, thought about it, knew that I liked Mr. Clark as a teacher. And at that point, I have no idea what happened because, again, senioritis was full on. But I thought about something he said. Rick, I think you'd be great in this class. I think it'd really help you in college. And he was sincere. The way he said it and the way he looked at me, the fact that he knew I had a scholarship to go to Butler. I mean, Beaver Creek was not a small school. I had 600 kids in my graduating class, and he knew about my scholarship to go to Butler University. And he felt it necessary to pull me aside and ask me to join a Shakespeare class. And there was only one section of this class and it was not an easy class. I had heard that. Uh, so I thought, okay, we'll give it a shot. So I went back. I talked to my counselor. My counselor got wide-eyed, like, why are you doing this to yourself as a senior? Um, went ahead and signed me up, rearranged my schedule so I'd fit that one section of Shakespeare. There it was. I was headed off to Christmas break and coming back second semester of my senior year with a new core class joining Tom Clark's class in Shakespeare. Now, this was not the easiest class I ever took. It was absolutely the most difficult class. You see, one, Shakespeare. And while I had had some experience with Shakespeare in my English Lit class and maybe a little bit before uh, play here or there um, in, in one of my other English classes coming up through school, this was really all about Shakespeare, and the language barrier was kind of difficult to get over at first. Now, I will tell you, soon into the class, that, didn't, that was no longer an issue. Why? Mr. Clark brought it to life. He made it real. He helped us kind of work through the language barrier and, and, and realize the differences in vocabulary and some of the different nuances, the cadence and the flow of the writing, how the plays were structured and put together. And at the end of each, he made it an opportunity for us to either watch that play in video or go see plays live or to connect in some way at a different level and a more personal level with that play or piece of literature. And that's what he'd done in my English Lit class, but in the Shakespeare, he stepped it up. I will tell you, in 30 years, if anybody has asked me from that day forward, Rick, what was your favorite class in high school? I would have said Shakespeare. Now, as a second semester senior, having to put in the work I had to put, not only just to learn the plays, but also to get through his class, I don't know why anybody would think that. See, there was one assignment, and this is probably the one that stands out most in my brain. We had to write a paper, and I want to say this was a 10-page-ish paper, where we had to get all sorts of scholarly article sources, and we had to use those sources to answer a concept or a question about Shakespeare. The title of mine was Lady Macbeth, the Fourth Witch. Probably explains that this was not smallbrow stuff or lowbrow stuff. This was highbrow thinking. It was trying to take it to a different level. And we had to go to scholarly research and articles and work to understand more about that topic. 
So he would take us on field trips over to uh, the university library. He showed us how to pull, at that time, microfish. We didn't have the internet. We couldn't search all the scholarly articles the way you can now. We actually had to go into the library. We had to uh, to go to the large uh, concordance books that kind of had all of the scholarly articles listed. We had to run through those different articles. And so uh, find our sources and put together a 10-page paper. Now, this 10-page paper had to be perfect. And when I say perfect, I mean perfect. You could not have a grammatical error. You couldn't have a period off the mark. You couldn't have a misspelling. If you did on a page, it was given back, and you had to redo it. That was not an easy thing, again, back in the day when you just had a typewriter and you had to redo any pages completely from top to bottom if you made a mistake. And if you had to cut a portion of text out, suddenly you were having to do all of the pages after that point. Now, thank goodness I had some friends who worked in the business office department and they were willing to help me get through some of the typing because I was not the best typer, still not. I can, I can hit the keyboard, but I can't go that fast. And... So that paper was extremely difficult, but was probably one of the reasons why when I left Shakespeare, I realized that was the best class I'd ever been in. Because when I got to college, I never went up against a paper, not until my master's degree, did I run into a paper that was as challenging or as difficult or had the same demand. College papers in my undergrad were nowhere near as difficult. He had answered, or he had given exactly what he said I would get. I was going to get something that would prepare me for college. See, that may have taken me a little while to look back and realize just how important that Shakespeare class was, but I would tell you it was probably right around second semester freshman year or right there first semester of my sophomore year where I actually took a Shakespeare class at Butler and knew everything I needed to know about the plays and cruised right through that class and actually used that 10-page paper or a portion of it to turn in and got an A there in college. It was something that changed my opportunity. See, I probably, I don't know, I may have done just fine in college without that, but I'm positive I would have had to work harder. And I certainly would not have left high school with this appreciation for Shakespeare and looking back and understanding how amazing, one, all of the plays were, but two, how just exploring something new at a deeper level can be. And Mr. Clark also took the time to celebrate every one of our papers. We got to look at them and talk about them. He made it a celebration. And so I left his class having had what, well, some people might call a lollipop moment. It's that moment in the hall when Tom Clark said, hey, come back here for a minute. I want to talk to you. I think you should take Shakespeare second semester. I think you'd be good at the class. No, I hear you're going to college. I hear you got a scholarship at Butler University. I think that this would help you in college. See, he took the time to reach out to me, and he took the time to encourage me and get me excited and do something different. And so that moment is really a lollipop moment. Now, if you haven't heard of lollipop moments, there's a, uh, there's a guy out there by the name of Drew Dudley. Look him up on the Internet and look up, or just look up lollipop moment, and you'll find it. And a lollipop moment is a special moment where one individual positively shapes another person's life, even though that person may never realize the impact they had on them. See, Drew tells a story in his uh, podcast or a TED, a TED Talk that I saw about this moment where he had 
done something. He had given a lollipop to a young man, told the young man to give it to a young lady, and I'll let you listen. He tells the story much better than I could. But the the story leads to this idea that this girl comes back to him later and tells him, hey, thank you. I don't know if you remember doing this, but you changed my trajectory. You changed my opportunity. You helped me stay in college. And by the way, that guy who gave a lollipop to give me, we're still dating. And eventually they got married. Again, I've told probably too much of the story, but it, it was a lollipop moment. One moment in time that actually Drew Dudley says he never remembered. I pretty de- much doubt Tom Clark remembers that moment in the hall where he pulled me aside and where he said, hey, come here. I think you should take Shakespeare second semester. I think you'd be great in the class. I hear you're going to Butler University, and I think if you're going to college, you need this class to to be successful. It's going to help you a lot. That moment changed my trajectory. I took a hard class my senior year, second semester, but it prepared me to be my absolute best when I went to college. See, as educators, we have no idea how many lollipop moments we have created. We have no idea how many critical moments where we've stopped and talked to a student or maybe a parent or someone in our sphere of influence where we've changed the trajectory in a positive way. As leaders, we need to make sure that we are recognizing those contributions. If you see or hear about a lollipop moment somewhere where someone on your staff has has touched or changed a, a student for the better, Man, I hope you take the time to go back and celebrate that. I hope you uh, put it in your memo. Uh, If you've got a daily memo, I've got a morning memo, and on Thursday I put Thankful Thursday, and I try to list things where I've seen someone have an impact or someone's had an impact on me. I don't want to lose sight of how important it is to champion those moments, to make sure people feel like the heroes they are, to make sure that they understand that the time and the effort they put in impacts and has a legacy. Is that really what we get as educators? The opportunity for a legacy? The opportunity to do something in a way that will impact and change and support a child's growth? To make one moment in time potentially change everything in time for that child? That's, that's what we're here for. And so find a way as leaders to, to recognize that. And you know what? If you've had somebody have or do something for you that was a lollipop moment make sure you stop and go back and say thank you and so I want to say thank you right now I don't know if he's going to listen to this podcast but I want Mr. Clark to know I appreciated that moment because later on down the line when I began looking back and realized how important that moment in time was that change in my trajectory that opportunity he may never know or he probably will never know but I want it to be said that Tom Clark had a lollipop moment in the hall where he changed my life. And thank you, Mr. Clark. Now, back to that dream, that missing thing. Well, for 30.4 years, I have had this dreaded feeling that I never completed an assignment See, Mr. Clark uh, had such an impact on me, I've looked back and realized there was an assignment that I never did for Mr. Clark. See, I I figured out uh, probably right towards the end of my senior year, senioritis was really setting in. Even in my absolute favorite class, I had finished the 10-page paper. We had this one assignment that we had to finish. We had to recite Shakespeare. We had to recite 
I think it was 30 lines or something like that of, of a Shakespeare play and do it from memory in front of the class. Well, I had figured up the points I needed. I knew the points of that assignment and I knew that if I didn't do it, I was still going to get, I think, an A or a B in the class. It wasn't going to hit my GPA. I already had a scholarship. Why should I care? I wasn't going to do it. This is one stand that I took. But when I didn't have that ready on the day I was supposed to go, I saw a look of disappointment in Mr. Clark's eyes, and that bothered me. Now, I didn't have time to fix it then, and I took my lower grade and I moved on. But for some reason, that's always ate at me a little bit. And I'll tell you the reason. is because Mr. Clark was an amazing teacher. Mr. Clark was an excellent teacher. He brought literature to life, and I missed one opportunity to do something and give back to him by at least trying. I'm not a very good. I'm not very good at memorizing things, and likely I may have uh, botched it horribly. I'm not even sure at that time what I would have picked, but I know since then what I would have. In William Shakespeare's history play uh, Henry V, in Act Four, Scene Three, there's a scene uh, where he is. On, it's on the eve of the Battle of of Agnacourt, and it fell on this day called Saint Crispin's Day. And Henry V stands and he urges his men and his army, who are they are outnumbered to the French, who are they getting ready to fight. And he stands up and he implores them that England has defeated the French before we are going to do it today. And he just gives this rousing speech, the St. Crispin's Day speech. And I have actually seen this speech played out in a couple, by a couple of different actors I've seen it live. I've seen it on movie. Uh, I think Russell Crowe actually did it once. It's just an amazing speech. And it, it's pretty well used, rewritten, of course. It isn't in Shakespearean language, but it is used as if you see a general in a movie give a rousing speech, you can probably go back and look at the outline of the St. Crispin's Day speech, and that same speech is being given, just with different words on a different battlefield in a different time. That would be my area or my 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 part of a play and so here's where I'm going to pause and I'm going to offer you as the listener this is your chance to walk away now um, this is the end of what I have to say I hope you champion folks legacies I hope you champion the lollipop moments that they have I hope you lift them up and, and help them realize the heroes that they are in their students lives when they take the time to to care when they take the time to recognize where that student's next steps might be and help them along that path in some way, just like Tom Clark did. And if you do, and if you take that time to recognize that, you're going to lift them up and make them feel pretty good. Now, this is your chance to, to get away from this podcast because I'm about to take care of 30 years of guilt. I am going to attempt to recite, and it's probably not the number of lines I'm supposed to, but just the very end of the St. Crispin's Day speech. Here we go. This story shall the good man teach his son, and Crispin Crispian shall ne'er go by from this day to the ending of the world, but we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother. Be he ne'er so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen in England now abed shall think to themselves accursed 
that they were not here and hold their manhoods cheap whiles any speaks that fought with us upon St. Crispin's Day. Mr. Clark, wherever you are, thank you. Thank you for that one lollipop moment in time where you took me aside and you pointed me in a different direction. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you champion that with others. Go be awesome. <laughs>